Read this with me in Psalm 33, 12. Read this aloud. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Say it again. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Wow. Father, I thank you for truth. There have been historically humanity finding, searching, looking for truth. What is truth? What a question. Your word is truth. And we thank you. It's a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. And even if the entire universe collapses in one day, it will. You're willing to expend the entire universe, yet your word will remain standing. It is truth. Has always been, is, and always will be unchangeable truth, your truth. So, Father, I thank you for revealing it to us by the Spirit of God and giving us ears to hear it, hearts to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The saint and the theologian Augustine wrote a book with a very specific title. It's about yea thick. It's called The City of God, The City of Man. And in it, he describes the continuous divide between humanity's pursuit of whatever it is he wants or she wants in life and the pursuit of the kingdom of God. These differentiated, juxtaposed alternatives. The city of man, man man-centered, human-centered, what pleases us. The city of God, God God-centered, filled with people who put him first and honor him in all their ways. The millennial struggle with this issue in our decaying culture, constantly trying to figure out what's truth for me, what's true for you. Everybody has their own truth. What is truth? Made the cover of Time magazine last week. Is truth dead? (laughs) Well, in some places it certainly is, and uh, certainly among certain people in, in specific positions in our culture, truth is dead. Leaders will take the oath of office, put a hand on the Bible, And it doesn't make any difference what party they're in, what the color of their skin is. Uh, We we need to hold our leaders accountable for telling us the truth because truth matters to God, particularly truth that he has revealed to us. Jesus said, Satan is is a liar and the father of lies and a murderer. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And again, you've got these two opposite positions. You've got an evil entity trying to drive us in the direction of lies. And Paul picks it up in the New Testament and says that lying spirits will come to believers and teach them things that have very little to do with the obvious truth of God's word, just enough in it to think it may be okay when God says it's not okay. What's truth? And so the moral values of our culture, the moral truths of our culture, foundationally found in God's word, the sanctity of marriage, look at how that has morphed and changed and our culture has allowed that to slide into an evolvement of truth. Evolvement of truth. God's word does not evolve. Let me roll that. Uh, Define marriage. I believe that marriage 
uh, is the union between a man and a woman. Now, for me as a Christian, for me, for me as a Christian, it's also a sacred union. Uh, you know, God's in in the mix. But then we evolve in our culture. And again, it makes no difference. Skin is irrelevant. It's character. Do I rest my case on what God says, or do I do the politically expedient thing? Okay? What's truth? Instead of holding up these values, leading the way instead for the disassembling of marriage, and taking the life of the unborn when Bi the Bible makes it very clear what God's position is on these matters. The foundations of America and her greatness, it's biblical truth. That's what made America great from its inception, but now openly disparaged by many. So terrorism is lurking from without. Just got more warnings from the TSA. The invasion of our bathrooms and locker rooms from within. Christianity is derided publicly. Churches have capitulated and joined the chorus of anti-biblical values. And it's imperative we return to living by the principles of God's word. Those who pursue the religion of relativism will never enter the kingdom of God. Relativism says that whatever's right for me, therefore, is right, period. And God says, mm-mm. What's right by my standard is right for everyone, and it doesn't cross change for anybody, no matter what you may think. So we enter the kingdom of God because we align ourselves with God's truth, which, which means repentance, which means I'm changing the way I'm thinking to the way you think, God. In other words, you're right, and I'm not. Okay, The two are very different in origin and goals. They're on separate paths. They will end extremely differently. And God reminds us there are consequences to our freedom of choice. When God's people chose to disobey him, you see, the hand of the Lord began to lift off of them. And when his hand was lifted off of them, Israel fell victim to terrorism. The terrorists of that day were the Babylonians. And he is just, and the same principles apply to any nation, including ours. And he said this, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who will sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. That was the destiny of Israel. This is the destiny of any nation that turns its back on the one true God and rejects his principles. Terrorism from without as the hedge of protection is lowered and a militant rejection of godliness from within, the resistance against God's truth. The nation of Israel was so confident, so self-absorbed, they didn't realize how, how, how they had migrated away from God. They began, began so distracted by their own materialism, their prosperity, their successes, their conquests, the, the sense of tranquility. We've got it made. We're good. Everything is good. Their attitude, it could never, nothing bad can happen to us. We're the apple of God's eye. And they discarded their biblical moorings, and then they were shocked 
has the Babylonian hordes arrived and destroyed their nation. Our hope. God has planned a renewal for his church. And the last book in God's word reveals to us God's church wins. Amen? Now the ills of our society, the divisions and the battles, all the trouble that we're finding now in our culture, those things are being laid at the feet of Christians and at the feet of the church. And we're labeled Islamophobes and homophobes and deplorables. The majority of us are not phobes. We pray for those that are trapped. We ask God to have mercy on those and compassion on those who are blinded against hope and that the the light of the gospel will be revealed to them and the compassion and love of God will search their hearts and draw them back to him. But in our culture, there are those whose voices have risen against God and against his people and they live by power and pleasure and perversion and self-indulgence. They're no longer a minority. They are now inside the gates of the city threatening to destroy the infrastructure. They occupy positions of influence throughout our Christian culture. They hold high office. They teach in our schools and universities. They are in our legislatures, our seminaries, even in our pulpits and in our pews. And history does repeat itself. It's a biblical principle. God delivers his people. They are thankful. They're humbled. They serve the Lord. They obey his word. And over time, they forget the goodness of God and the deliverance, and they forget how thankful they should be, and they become independent of God. Then they sin, and they test God. Then God calls them to repentance, and when they refuse as many offerings, then God lifts his hand, and the enemy rolls in. They're in bondage. Then again, they cry out for mercy, and then God delivers them again, and history continues to repeat itself. Just read the book of Judges. It maps it all out. Our challenge, we the people of God's kingdom must live successfully and victoriously in the city of man, in this kingdom around us. The enemy has a plan. Destroy God's word, destroy the message of God, strip the next generation of truth so Satan can initiate a complete takeover. And when we choose to refuse, or rather we we choose to refuse to live by God's principles and the kingdom of God when we choose to live by what we feel, careful of feelings. They come from the soul. And the soul is not always on target with God's word. Feelings will change all day long. God's word is eternal. The heavens will pass away. The earth will be gone. My word will stand forever. God so much believes that his word is eternal, that he said, I raise my word above my name. Whatever we desire instead of God's principles results in the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve. We leave Eden, God's blessed kingdom. We separate ourselves from God and his principles, and we move to the garbage dump, the city of man. When I've traveled into war zones and I've ministered to our troops, people will say as I get ready to leave, stay safe. I'll be praying for you every day you're gone. And thank you to everybody who has done that and will do that for me in the future. That's much appreciated. But Calvary Christian Center, the walls of our own cities are broken. 
They've been breached here, and the enemy is within our own walls. I am safer in a war zone in the will of God than walking among those out of the will of God in our own country. And we see the darkness. We watch what's happening in some of our cities and the ruthlessness of the hearts of people. Innocent bystanders shot, killed daily. Lawsuits against schools for not allowing perversions in their bathrooms and locker rooms. Stuff we never imagined could ever happen in our culture. Moving at record speed in the wrong direction. And some people in the church just wring their hands and cry, well, the end is in hand. There's nothing we can do about it. No, we're not heading for the foothills. We're not waiting for Jesus to return up in the mountains. We cannot write off the human race because God hasn't. We contain the most powerful life-changing message on the planet. And we're obligated to not merely contain it. We're to take the lid off of it and pour it out. We must be light in darkness, salt that savors, and we must create a thirst among those who are in need. We are hurtling toward darkness and fear, a people restless to find answers, but moving in the wrong direction. And there's anxieties, and there's fears, and restlessness, and divisions, and, and, and loneliness. And instead of our social media that everybody gets connected to, making us come together, it's had the opposite effect. It's not pulling us together. It's science behind it is telling us it's driving people apart, not bonding them together. Because people will say things to other people on social media they wouldn't say if they were having to have a conversation eyeball to eyeball with that person. Instead of us decrying the condition, realize we have never had a greater opportunity to turn people to the message of Jesus than the day in which we're living and for an outpouring of his spirit to draw people back to him. If we'll humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, we will hear from heaven. And Paul writes, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they are. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. I'm expecting an outpouring of an abundance of God's grace before the return of Jesus. But Babylon represented the city of man. Jerusalem represented the kingdom of God. And when Israel sinned against God and rebelled, they no longer listened to him. And they defied the messages of the prophet one after another. So God chose to use the king of Babylon to attack the city of God. And Babylon is a symbol of every person, every people who oppose the Lord. Jerusalem is symbolic of all the people, every people who love the Lord. There are two cultures at work in our society. And they're running alongside one another, so to speak. One results in this. Then I, John, saw the holy city... New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Though they're running parallel at times, the destinations are total opposite. And as for evil, it never stands still. If allowed in your life, if allowed in your family, if enabled by the church, if tolerated in the culture, it will progress downward because evil never stands still. It worsens. 
And when Adam and Eve sinned and left Eden, and then Cain, of course, sinned and killed his brother and then was a nomad. He was stamped in his head. He built a city to run away from God. The next step in the generations after him, Nimrod, also built a city in defiance of God. And remember, Noah had pled with the people to be saved from coming destruction. He was mocked and rejected by the culture because it says in the scripture that the hearts of all the people were constantly looking to do evil continuously. And God took Noah and his family and he saved them. And one of his sons, Ham, sinned against his father and his descendants received the curse. Shem, on the other hand, honors his father and received the blessing for him and his descendants. So students, when you honor and obey your godly parents, you will receive a blessing. God will bless you for loving and, and respecting and honor them. Amen? The blessing will be with you and your lineage. But Ham's descendants, who, who became Canaan and Nimrod, they, they took rebellion against God to an all-time low. His sin, Nimrod's sin, is similar to the attitude of many in the culture today. Who is this God who dares tell us what to do? What are these moral absolutes? There is no absolute black or absolute white. What loving God would restrict our pleasure, no matter how perverted it might be, because if these two can, then why not whatever can? We can legislate God out of our society, but his word will never be legislated out of existence. Long after we're all gone and everything you can see here is gone, his word will still be standing. Nimrod, instead of acknowledging his sin and humbling himself, turning toward God, Nimrod goes and builds Babylon, a city in defiance against God. Today, instead of acknowledging God, thanking our God for delivering us from the evils of a tyrannical British empire and Nazism and fascism and Eastern empire, today, we just pat ourselves on the back and credit ourselves. Instead of bowing in humility before our God with gratitude for all the blessings he's provided, we just nonchalantly go about life thinking we're entitled to it because we breathe air here in America. Instead, we're bowing to political correctness. We bow to materialism. We bow to our intellect. We bow to the tolerance of pluralism. Instead of making decisions based on godly principles as our founders, we have now given the foxes the keys to the hen house. And now we're being destroyed from within. Like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Babel. Babel. Better pronunciation from the Hebrew. Bab meaning door. El, God. The people wanting to create their own door to God, to come to him their way. And many people think these were uneducated that the early man and the early civilizations were, were just a, a bunch of Neanderthals who knew nothing. No, they were very intelligent because they were the direct descendants of Adam and Eve with whom God partnered and walked with and poured his knowledge into day after day 
years before they sinned. And the scripture says they imparted that to generation after generation. They were highly educated. They were very intellectual. Some people said, well, you, we, we all just sprang from the apes. Now we're falling toward the apes. We're, we're getting worse, not better. And so Babylon is being built as a civilization opposed to God and the God of their ancestors. It began to hold a significant place in history throughout the word of God from Genesis to Revelation 21. Babylon is a symbol of living for self at enmity with God. And living for self always puts us at enmity with God. When God judged Israel for the rebellion, whom did he choose as the instrument of his judgment? The Babylonians. The religion of Nebuchadnezzar is a religion of self-worship. He was the king of Babylon. In our day, we are being filled with narcissism, self-worship, idol worship. Nebuchadnezzar wanted everybody to worship him in the Babylonian empire. He built an idol 90 feet into the air and said, when you hear the sound of music, you all must bow down to my, my likeness and statue, a symbol of the Antichrist that will appear in our day. The one thing that stands out, all will be required to worship him. Our world is prepared for this dethroning of the one true God and the enthroning of Satan incarnate. And Babylon came to represent enmity with God and the religion of self-worship. Are we like the sons of Issachar, discerning our times? We better. The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of their times. God, give us discernment to know the day in which we're living. And there were three characteristics of Babylon, and they repeat themselves in every age including our day, because they're historical from Genesis to the end of time. And so they will reemerge generation after generation, these same principles. Babylon was a city without the one true God. Babylon was a city stealing God's glory and ascribing it to themselves. And Babylon was a city dedicated to self-worship. Look at Western Europe. A people who have rejected the, the Lord Jesus Christ and the faith that founded them They're celebrating their 500th anniversary of the Reformation this year. And after 500 years of Reformation, they have all but rejected their Christian faith. The result, they live in terror and fear today. Terror and fear is always a consequence of rejection of the one true God. In Europe, the Muslim population doubles every eight years. And the indigenous population continues to dwindle. Any culture... Any society that rejects the message of the one true God, a government that outlaws the truths of the one true God, the rejection of God's absolutes, a people who reject the one and only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to end up living in terror and fear. They are never elevated. They are always denigrated. The citizens of Babylon rejected the God of their ancestors. They built a city with a tower in that city dedicated to the occult, which was Satan himself. And the consequence, terror, demonism, lying spirits, superstition, and fear. And the word calls it mystery Babylon. Now listen, it says John reveals this at the end of the age. Mystery Babylon the great, the mother of harlots, 
and of the abominations of the earth. That's the nest from which Satan launches and hatches all of his schemes against the human race. This kind of thinking. Babylon represents the center of the abomination on earth. Any household, community, denomination, city, nation, church that rejects God's moral absolutes and lives by its own instincts and its own invented morality, the result will be occultism, superstition, demonic voices, lying and seducing, and terror. This is the mystery of Babylon. From Genesis to Revelation, Babylon is synonymous with the rejection of the God of the Bible. Now God, who loves Israel, who made them his own, put his name upon them, delivers them out of the bondage of Egypt. But what instrument did God use to judge them for their sin and rebellion? Babylon. Of all the people to use. And God's saying to his own people, when you my people who should know better, reject me, the one true God. You are as bad as the Babylonians. That is heartbreaking to God. It's called spiritual adultery. And God is saying to us in the Western culture, you have rejected me. You should have known better. Your evil is equal to that of unbelievers and betrayers and spiritual adulterers. And God has allowed Islamic terrorists to chastise Western civilizations. They are the modern Babylonians. And consider this, the false gods of Egypt, Rome, Athens, and India They all originated in Babylon. The Babylonian evangelists went all over the world preaching an anti-Christ, an anti-Jehovah message. They wanted a city without the Lord God, Jehovah. They wanted to steal God's glory. And in building their tower, they were saying, we want to worship other gods, demonic entities that will grant them power to do whatever pleases them. This exchange for this right to do your own thing ends up with eternal damnation in hell. They desired to know what these entities were saying to them personally and speaking to them things that were not in God's word, that are not in alignment with God's truth, who do not reveal the one and only true God. And the scripture says, if anybody comes to you with a message other than what's in this book, Even if an angel comes to you and reveals that this is a message from God, but does not align with God's written word, let him be accursed. Wow, it's pretty strong, huh? They wanted the gods, these entities to speak to them because these gods will tell them what they want to hear. They desire to be equal with, next to, the rulers of the second heavens. On the pinnacle of that tower in Babel was a cap dedicated to the strength of the zodiac. Astrology is based on the zodiac. Astrology originated in Babylon. Astrology is associated with demonic entities that speak to you, and they end up idolizing man and promoting self-worship. And they continue this cycle of honoring you and honoring your desires and okaying everything you think versus what the true God teaches us. You see, the problem we have is we have this rebellion in us that says, I don't want to do it God's way. I want to do it my way. And God says, 
This is the problem that we have between us. And that's called the need for repentance, where I come to the place where I say, you are right and I am wrong. What you say is true. And even though I think I might be right, I will align myself with you because you're God and I'm not. Okay, astrology. From Babylon, the worship of these gods migrated into Egypt. Astrology in Egypt put bodies to these entities. Animism, godlike creatures, and they were animals. In Egypt, it produced the pyramids. The pyramids were constructed mathematically in relationship to the stars. And the Sphinx has the face of a woman, the first sign in the zodiac, the body of that of a lion, the last sign in the zodiac. The Sphinx links first and last signs of the zodiac. Millions of people on the planet live by the signs of the zodiac. They go looking for their sign and what their horoscope is going to say for the day to go about their business. When God's people came out of bondage in Egypt, after 400 plus years, when they walked into the Sinai desert, they were filled with this evil religion. That's why again and again, God tells them in Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 18, do not worship the gods of the Zodiac. Why? Because the Zodiac is a front for Satan. And he warned them time and again, when you choose to live your life by the stars and follow your sign, you are dabbling in the satanic. It birthed itself in Babylon. And Babylon was stealing God's glory, thinking they were taking it for themselves, when in fact, they were just handing God's glory to Satan. What he always desired That is to be worshipped. Babylon was a symbol of any culture that rejects the one true God and steals the glory of God. And Babylon in any society where the creator is worshipped is any society where the creator is worshipped instead of the creator. And the word says the Babylonians held a council. They desired to build a city with a tower for the worship of the gods of the stars. Why? Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. We reject Jehovah God. He's too constricting. We want to be the center. We want to choose the way we want to go. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, Paul writes. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things, and goes on to say in verse number, number 24, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. Who's the father of lies? Where do lies emanate from? So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Fallen humanity took God's gift of survival and turned it into self-worship. Well, pastor, who does that? Christians certainly don't do that stuff, do they? Well, how much of God's gift of time does God get from you? How much of God's gift to earn wealth does God receive? How much of God's gift of intellect that he gave you, how much does he receive? 
the God of self reigns supreme in our Western culture. Commercials selling their wares, they cater to self-centered desires. The Babylonian religion of self-worship has reemerged once again in our generation. And judgment for these sins will be Islamic terrorism. We'll get overrun. And how do we know the God of self has reemerged? When you converse with people about how they engage and why they engage, and why, why would you do that? And why do you think that's okay for you to participate in? And why do you believe that that's, that's a good choice and lifestyle for you? They'll say, it makes me feel good because this is what I feel I want to do. And it's good for me, even if you don't like it, Leave me alone because it's good for me. The God of self is reigning in our culture. That emanates from the Babylonian nest. An entitlement mentality, the God of self has even set up shop in many churches in the Western culture. The me church. There are pastors who teach the doctrine of me. What do I get out of this? Even worship songs, man-centered, about me instead of God-centered. Calvary Be on your guard. Do not be deceived. Do not listen to lying spirits or seducing spirits. The God of self is loose in the American culture. And it's a subtle spirit, easily rationalized, easily justified, and easily accommodated with the saying, I have needs. Babylonian spirits. Remember this about the Lord God, Jehovah. The Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. You've never heard me preach on that name. I've preached about Jehovah, Jireh, and Shammah, and Raphael, and you name the various names of God. I've never preached on his name, Jealous. Maybe I ought to do that one time. Okay? His name is, you didn't know his name was Jealous, one of his names. And here's what he says, and how does he express it? You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents, these sins of worshiping other gods, upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. And when you put any other God in your life above the Lord God, you reject the Lord God. You bring trouble into your life and your family. God takes it seriously when his bride is unfaithful, takes on another lover. God has no rivals. He doesn't want to be on the sidelines, no matter how we attempt to rationalize it. There are consequences to spiritual infidelity. They they birth out of us fear. Lack of spiritual confidence because our conscience gets corrupted and and all kinds of losses of trust and and, and anxiety because we know somewhere along the line there's going to be a price to pay for this and restlessness and divisions. The Babylonians decided to bypass the one true God and the Lord observed the Babylonians attempting to build their tower and here's what God said. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language. The Trinity decided to judge this behavior. We will turn them into babbling idiots. Okay? The Babylonians assembled to serve their choice of gods, but confusion became their faith, 
and the same God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever eternal, always has been, always will be one God. They are soon concluding Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, enough is enough. And the Lord God, Jehovah, always prevails. God in three persons always wins. He will always have the last word. The Lord God always has the upper hand. And just look at the confusion sweeping America today. The division. The lack of a clear sounding voice. So that when decisions are made, they're based on a simple principle. Putting God first and loving him. And loving one another as you love yourself. The principles of God's truth. Wouldn't it be refreshing to have leadership that just wanted to govern on the principles of God's truth? And here's what's happening. Everyone then has his or her own set of values. The unborn are murdered in the womb. And Christians, in some cases, it's okay. Then when those who sell the parts of the murdered unborn illegally, with no consequence to speak of, but those who expose the evil come under charges to be prosecuted. The delta smelt is sacred. The unborn are not. That's a spirit of confusion. Even among the wisest of people, right is wrong and wrong is right. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil because God has delineated that absolutely in his word. And the rest of the story, God will have the last word. Some think they can create their own gods and values without the one true God. God will come down and judge that. Man says, our science will save us. God says, your brilliance is nonsense compared to mine. My ways are higher than yours. And man says, well, our power will save us. And God says, I sit on my throne and laugh at you. The one who rules in the heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger, he rebukes them. Man's futile attempts to navigate time and eternity without their creator always ends in dust and rubble. And to the faithful, no matter how dark it may get, our God is the God of light, power, and might. No matter how challenging the days become, our God will grant his followers ultimate victory. No matter how the powerful the attack on God's word or on his people become, attempting to stamp out the message of the gospel, God's people will prevail. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So no matter how much we're persecuted, we win. No matter how much we're ridiculed for our faith and principles, count it all joy, Jesus said. We are victorious in Jesus' name. And John puts it this way as he sums up the wrap-up of God's work among humankind. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Let the saints rejoice. Amen? Let the saints rejoice. God's good.